Denny, Denny, hey, what's what's going on there? I'm trying to prepare for the podcast. I'm trying to what prepare. You, what do you mean? It's it's our Korean cinema theme. What what are you looking for? Yeah, I've been looking for North Korean cinema, Greg. It's kind of hard to come by, but it's all very pro North Korea. I like their patriotic spirit. I'm starting to love North Korea because I've been watching so many Korean films. Um, Denny. I think like what the kids might normally say is you you didn't understand the assignment. What? Yeah, I I mean you should have heard like the name North Korea implies that there's a democratically represented government. South Korea, but close. Oh. Um, well, there's not a South Virginia. Fine. Well, we're here to cover West Korean films, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there's not an East Virginia, just because there's a West Virginia, Greg. Uh, I'm just saying, read a map, read some history every once in a while. Watch some movies. I neither read maps nor read history, but I do watch movies. <laughs> there you go. Well, That's watch why these. the interview. That's right. The, <laughs> you only found the interview in your hunt for North Korean cinema. <laughs> Propaganda and then um, the opposite. Starring James Franco. So, folks, we're back. This is Movies for Win. We have a real theme this week. It's Movies for Win. You're on a Korean cinema kick. A theme that I've been trying to do for the past four months, I want to say. It wow. feels like it's been since New Year's. Yeah, pretty much, honestly. <laughs> no, because we had that poll after the Grannies to pick God. a new theme. <laughs> and we're I'm on theme to... number two from that poll. No, no, we had robots and then we had therapy. So this is three, theme number three. Are, are we having an off year, Greg? Are we having an off year on Movies for When? We're having an off year. Uh, we are the ones that decided to stretch the themes out to be more than just jam-packed into one uh, episode. So yes. this is partially on us, partially the new format, partially the hiatus, and partially Eleven. Yes, so. I Eleven. Good girl. She's excited about, uh, I was about to say North Koreans. <laughs> it's very She's good like, barking, Eleven. We all love when you bark like that. Uh, Kim Bark-un, if I may. Um, so, Eleven's I may not. really honeypotting us with that bark. But at any rate, Koreans, <laughs> you threw me off the rails here a little bit. Yeah, if, if you had fun last week, we had a great time covering all the movies that we did cover. Or that we did watch while we are on hiatus, excuse me. So, folks, um, this week we're going to be kicking off Korean cinema kick with the film Burning that you can watch on Peacock. And I highly recommend you do before listening to this episode, by the way. Wink, wink, hint, hint. I said it last week, too. Uh, but before we get into Burning, Denny, I know we talked a lot about it last week, but what else have you been watching there, bud? 
Well, I'm going through a pretty big Danny DeVito phase. Uh, I've been watching, uh, binging even, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I, I would say in the last week I've probably done seasons seven through nine is about where I'm at uh, in the current watch. Wow. Uh, yeah, loving it. Uh, been spending most of my watch time on that, to be honest, which is why I only have one movie, uh, which is uh, the 1988 classic Twins starring Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger, where they are genetic experiment kids, and this one lady birthed them. Uh, Arnold was raised on an island. Danny DeVito was the genetic waste, so to speak. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't supposed to grow. And sure now, he feels great about that. Yeah, Arnold is uh, going to find his twin brother, uh, not identical twins, mind you. Uh, and it turns out that Arnold is a very, very innocent boy who was raised on a special genetic island, and Danny DeVito is a total scumbag who, uh, well, he doesn't mind exploiting the naivete of Arnold Schwarzenegger. So it's a fun, it's a fun movie. You see Arnold cast against type. Um, you see Danny DeVito being Danny DeVito, which is just fantastic. Um, it's a pretty like dumb little 80s, 80s comedy, kind of a feel-good movie. Definitely a dude's rock movie. Um, Ooh. But they don't make them like that anymore. It's it's definitely dumb, <laughs> but I liked it. I had a good time. So yeah, that's my watch list. What do you got? Yeah, so twins. Um, <laughs> Peak I'm glad you made. I'm glad you made the time for something, and I'm personally <laughs> glad it was twins. Um, I haven't seen that movie since it was you know relevant. Sorry to say, <laughs> I'd never seen it. This is my first time. Very nice. Yeah, I, I don't remember a single thing about it, so thank you. Thank you for the recap. Yeah. Um, my watch list is uh, similarly short. I only barely got another watch experience in. Um, two things I've been watching on TV. The NHL playoffs are on, and I'm watching them as we record off to the side. And uh, Top Chef, the new season. It's been pretty fun. I don't normally watch Top Chef, but I like cooking shows. It's all right. Cool. Um, and the only movie I watched <clears throat> was one with my wife, the uh, the hit Miley Cyrus film, So Undercover. What? Yeah. Hold on. I gotta Google you, this. You gotta Google something? Alright, it's a 2013 feature uh, from our good friend, friend of the show, <laughs> Miley Cyrus. <laughs> and this one, like, hurt me in a few ways. To watch i'm not gonna lie um uh, mostly because it's um she's how undercover is she I, I kept saying to my wife and she kept saying shut up uh, <laughs> <laughs> but she's so undercover that she's infiltrating like a sorority in 2013 and i'm like haha i'm going to be too old for this uh girly kiddish nonsense and i'm like Oh, wait, I was a senior in college in 2013. All of the dumb references are going to be, like, exactly my age <laughs> range. <laughs> so she's learning the cool lingo by saying stuff like totes and amazeballs. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, stop. <laughs> the Z Gen Z would have a heyday with this. I'm cringing at myself. Just, the like, TikTok watching Zoomers. it, like... Oh. Like I, I said these things. I'm supposed to be making fun of it, and I want to, but I'm making fun of me? 
So does she like walk into a party and everyone's like, so what are you, a Gryffindor or a Hufflepuff? Don't say Ravenclaw. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and actually a Slytherin. Okay, my and then uh, they all, you know, that makes them enemies, and they all get back together to do the Harlem Shake. <laughs> God, I forgot about the Harlem Shake. Mm. The internet didn't. <laughs> it was a time credits with Gundam style. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, may as well have. Um, it was a time capsule that I wish had stayed closed, and. <laughs> Um, also not a very good spy movie in there, but my wife had fun. I had fun. So am I really going to complain? No, not this it's, time. It sounds like an only slightly less rapey, never been kissed. It is very unrapey and the parts that are do call it out. So, okay. Cause never been kissed is weird. I don't think I've seen that. Actually. I, Drew Barrymore is a reporter going under an adult woman going undercover as a high schooler to get. The, Let me guess. She hasn't been kissed before. Yeah, she's never been kissed. She's a very oh, uh, spoilers underdeveloped woman, <laughs> like clearly traumatized uh, psychological profile incoming. Um, anyway, there's a lot of uh, her. Uh, doing stuff with high schoolers and adults doing stuff with her thinking she's a high schooler. Um, <laughs> very uh, very 21 Jump Street, if you catch my drift. Yeah, but at no point did the FBI um, find her detective skills useful for an international uh, threat to something. I don't remember the plot very well. Can we stop talking about So Undercover, please? I don't know, man. <laughs> I kind of want to watch it now. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> it's on Amazon Prime, folks, if you want to see it. All right, Denny. Might be what I do after this. <laughs> I am moving on. Tell me what you think, though. <laughs> okay. I'll text you. I we'll need, see how I bored need, I get. I need the mini review. Put it on Letterboxd. So, Denny, we're here to, to talk about a theme. It's our yes. theme. It's our next theme. It is Movies for Win. You're on a Korean cinema kick. I'm glad to be doing this one, man. Me too. Um, a little artsier, you... a little highbrow than we normally go. Is that only because it's like international features, or is it because we're picking the artsier and highbrow were well, like movies in this category? I know you did. Uh, I know we're going to do Train to Busan before it's all said and done, so we'll, Goddamn we'll, right. verdict is still out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like... I don't know. What what are your thoughts on Korean cinema? You mentioned Train to Busan, and you and I have talked about like the movies you like. It seemed, of course, no surprise. Your your picks are more uh, horror oriented. Yes. But like, when you think Korean cinema, like, what makes you feel like this is a theme worth covering, or like, what makes it stand out for like us to do as a whole theme? I mean, honestly. I'm really kind of a neophyte when it comes to international movies. That's that's a pretty underdeveloped area for me. Um, I, I like when I think of Korean cinema, I think like a lot of Americans, I think of Bong Joon Ho, right? Like, um, mm -hmm. and that's why I'm excited that we're doing some stuff outside of his catalog because that was like, I figured those would be the big crowd pleaser picks. I picked a Bong Joon Ho movie for my pick, you know, but like a really good one. Yeah. yeah. Apparently I haven't seen it yet, but, um, Oh okay. yeah. 
but the, like I, and i will say like when a like when a korean movie is really good and i hear about it i already assume bong joon ho made it yeah like it was like surprising to me that he didn't make train to busan because people were talking about that for years and i just assumed it was another bong joon ho movie and it seems like the kind of thing he would make um yeah. honestly dude seems like he would love zombies um yeah he already made snow piercer so enough with trains <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know man I, I would say i've gone through i'm i'm more like the the country cinema that i'm most familiar with other than america is japan um i've i've gone through several japanese cinema kicks um and i feel like i know a little more about their history um i don't really know much korean cinema other than bong joon ho and a couple stray movies i've seen and now i have added burning to that list um so Hell yeah yeah what about you what about you what do you think when you think of korean cinema well, I'm glad we can broaden your horizons a little bit. Um, that's kind of interesting. I don't know what country I would pick for, like, outside of American cinema, what do I know the best? It might be Korean, honestly, but that's honestly been over the last just, like, couple of years. Uh-huh. Before that, I might say, like, British stuff. I don't know. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> it'd, be hard to, it'd be hard to find um, or to, like, really nail down. All kinds of stuff from all over the place. But I don't know international features in general and especially this week for korean because it's so different from uh, korean is so obviously different from english so it's like reading subtitles in the first place forces you to have to pay attention like you can't say you watched a movie in a language you don't understand if you're like on your phone and unable to read the subtitles so it's like there's an extra like willingness to buy in and really focus and pay attention that's just like achieved through like the medium and our understanding of it basically which i really like i like it and then all that being said like it's got to be worth my time right like if it's demanding this much focus and i think movies should be approached that way too i don't think movies are meant to be enjoyed while looking at other things but i don't know if you're going to command focus the 100 percent of the time it's got to be worth the effort and i think the movies we're going to be doing this for this theme hopefully a wide variety of like tones and styles and um themes cinematic language all that to kind of like really grab us and i don't know i feel like you mentioned bong joon ho and then this movie i feel like the themes are very similar to uh they're very relatable to us as americans i think they're more about human experience but they're just explored in more interesting and like subtle ways. I think I mentioned like maybe it was yeah, it was maybe a couple of weeks before the hiatus. I watched yeah, before the Oscars. I watched uh the director of uh Triangle of Sadness. He came out with a movie um as a Swedish film that was adapted into an American film. I told you about Force Majeure was adapted Mm -hmm. into an american movie and i was just like watching the trailer like they fucking missed the point and the tone like completely and it's just like what would an american remake of burning or parasite or (laughs) (laughs) like what would an american remake of like any good korean cinema look like and it's just like oh like bad yeah (laughs) no yeah like absolutely not it's just i don't know it's it's just it feels like 
international films and i guess specifically with korean cinema it feels like there's less red tape in the way of this has to be profitable let's put the things that satisfy the algorithm into the movie and it's just a little bit more pure in terms of like an artist presenting something that they love kind of Mm -hmm. standpoint so that's why i can't wait for train to busan or whatever i haven't seen that one i'm excited to watch you're you're (laughs) gonna love it uh, we will have a poll to pick our third movie, but... Um, if Train to Busan we, doesn't win, we're going to have a fourth movie. Yeah, wink, wink, <laughs> we're probably going to just... We might extend the theme just a little bit. So, uh, without further ado, we're going to be discussing Burning. This was my pick. And Burning, I said it was on Peacock. It just got added there. But I th- if you don't have Peacock, I think it's on Amazon Prime with like one of those freebie services. Like, just watch it with ads or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's made the rounds on a couple of different streaming sites. That's another good thing about Korean cinema specifically. Little sidebar there. A lot of Korean films, like I I talked about last week, I watched Secret Sunshine. This director, Ling Chang Dong, I watched his other movie, and it was just on Tubi. And it's like, a lot of this guy's films are on Tubi. So are a lot of other Korean directors. It huh. seems like this stuff is very easily accessible in America. So. That's pretty neat. Yeah, it's it's not... It's behind less corporate, um, like, safeguards or firewalls. It's just, mm-hmm. like, it's it's more accessible. So, check this one out. It's in a few places. And cool. Whiplash warning. Watch it before you listen to us talk about it. Please. Most definitely. And also, because, holy why shit. would you want to listen to us talk about this if you haven't watched it? It's not... Uh, like, what wrong episode look yeah. I, I don't know what you think it's not robocop you know like where you kind of kind of get the gist of it yeah go <laughs> if you want that experience go back to the uh, goodwill hunting episode yes that rocked um <laughs> but yeah without further ado i'm gonna kick us off with the critiker review of the week i haven't done this gimmick in over a month i'm excited yes so, before we get into how we know the film, Denny, the Critiker Review of the Week, a uh, user I found gave it 5 out of 5, and they said, does more with one yawn than most films do with two hours. Damn. Well stated. Couldn't agree more. Goddamn. That was, yeah, that's the whole thing. So, very short sentence. It's exactly how I feel. And... Denny, what's your relationship with Burning? I know it, but I want to hear you say it. Never heard of it. <laughs> Watched mm-hmm. it for this, uh, decided to go in cold, and that's what I did. That was the right call. Yeah, um, going in blind to this movie was a good idea. I assume you're done now, yes? What? Yeah, that, that's the Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's, there's nothing to say, yeah. There is no relationship. There is now. Um, I think... This was kind of the second movie in my in a Korean cinema kick I had a while back where like Parasite was new. It hadn't won the Oscar yet, but like uh Colby and Kristen had watched it and they were like, You gotta see it. Like yeah, yeah. here's one thing it's kind of about. Don't look up anything else. I said, Okay. And then like the Blu ray was like super cheap somewhere or something. And I picked it up, watched it, loved it. Maybe we'll cover Parasite on this theme, so I won't talk about that too much. Um, and then I was like looking up a little bit about it, and it said, you know, you pull something up on Google, and it's like, 
Uh, users also liked this movie, if you liked Parasite, and Burning came up, and I was like, oh, wow, that's on Netflix. I'll check it out. And I watched it once uh, four or so years ago, and it lived in my head the whole time. And I finally watched it for... I was like, I kept wanting to get back to it because so many things stuck out. And, like, I wanted to flesh out more thoughts and, like, get a full understanding on the on the movie itself and... Yeah, finally watched it again because we were doing this theme um, about a month ago before I knew we, there was going to be a hiatus. So I watched it again. <laughs> we decided there was going to be a hiatus, so I watched it for a third time not too long after that. And um, I've watched it in bits and pieces to kind of get gather my thoughts. So I've watched it like three and a half times. Most of the time. Two and a half of which were in the last month, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's awesome. This is a long movie, by the way. This is two and a half hours. Greg's not sitting down for a tight 90. Um, He's he's there to intake some media. Hell yeah. And, like, since we moved, you know, I, I used to, like, wind down by watching movies at night. Like, my wife has work super early, so she goes to sleep, and I just watch stuff on the TV with, like, headphones. But Denny, when he came over the other week, he brought me a little gift, a long-awaited gift. He got me Pokemon Gold, so I was yeah. playing that. So I haven't been watching a lot of new movies lately or new-to-me movies. So the fact that all my movie time has gone to burning over the last month is uh, sure says something. Can we get an update on the Gold lineup? Who's, who's, who's starting? Well, I'm trying to level up my Onyx right now. I got Hoot Hoot, uh, Bayleaf has hey! yeah, Chikorita evolved, level twenty now. Um, I've got two badges. I'm in the golden, golden whatever city. I just got my bike. Nice. And yeah, I'm having a good time. Pokemon Gold is is great. It's a great game. I love it. It is a great game. Damn. I love my Game Boy. Hell yeah. <sighs> I don't know what else to say about that, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> we got we got to start talking about burning. Is what we got to start doing. I think so. Now, you finally watched it. I I had been saying like Denny, like I know it's two and a half hours. I know you hate that, but come, just do this for me. So, um, I kind of want to get your reaction. Like, what do you think of the movie? So, I'll I'll start off by ripping this bandaid off. It. Uh, it did not speak to me in the way it spoke to you. Um, I thought it was a very well-made movie. Uh, I thought it was really easy to watch. Um, like I was just kind of in a flow state watching it. Like even like, um, (laughs) like even, uh, like parts of like, I'm thinking of like the video I watched about it and how they're like, the point of this movie is that nothing happened for a lot of it. Um, and, Mm -hmm. Um, I'd be like watching it and I'd be like, wait, what is he doing right now? Oh, that's right. He started following Ben a while ago. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like, but I would like forget even what was happening in the movie, but I would just be like paying attention to it and here for it. And, um, just kind of, kind of flow with the movie. Um, around the end of it, I started kind of getting the vibe that this was, uh, what, uh, film buffs call a Greg movie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
Right. A that great common movie phrase. in the sense that it was going to be very much like No Country for Old Men. Um, <laughs> and um, so I, 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 I felt like it wanted me to work a little harder than I was willing to work to really appreciate it. I did watch... Uh, I watched one like analysis of it on YouTube because I didn't really feel like I understood it after I watched it. Oh, that's um, good. And then I was like, you know what? I just kind of want to save this for the air. I kind of want to hear from Greg what's so meaningful about it to him and uh, get your perspective on it. You know, it's it's but it's by no means a movie I would knock like at all. Like, I'll spoil my critic score. I gave it a forty-four out of fifty. Like, that's a really okay. really high score. I think it's a really really good movie. Um, but I didn't feel any sort of personal connection with it like you seem to. Yeah, it's kind of hard to nail down like in a simple sentence or two like why it grabbed me. I think it's just something about it, and I'll get into the something uh, soon enough, but like it just, there's a reason it lived in my head for like four years or so, mm-hmm. and it's, I guess if I had to like pick one thing over everything else, I think it's the script that just grabs me the most. It simultaneously like reveals just enough for you to know what's going on and um, covers up everything that the main character doesn't know. So it's just this constant battle of like what's really happening and the main character's reaction to it like it's it's a rare movie that we get like 99 percent of the scenes are from the perspective of jong su mm-hmm. we didn't summarize the movie um but oh, yeah. why would you be listening to this if you haven't watched it already so we sorry for skipping gimmick. that part oopsie doopsies we're back baby we're already forgetting gimmicks. <laughs> that's how you know uh, we're back yeah um you're only here because you already watched the movie so you know what it's about so a movie that spends this much time with one character and then kind of subverting things by like really limiting what information is revealed to that character that's kind of the audience vessel is just so interesting. And I think like I kind of wanted to break this discussion down into like three parts and I'll start with like themes here. So themes of the movie, I think one of the main ones is what's really happening and if you don't understand what's happening like how do you uh, project your own truth onto um events that transpire so basically jong su is yeah jong su is like convincing himself in his head what reality is there's some things that are just shrouded from him so he has to fill those gaps in himself and kind of for us and are we on board with all of his decisions, all of his uh, perspective? Is he too stubborn to accept kind of what's happened? Is he looking in all the wrong places? I don't know. Um, point two, we'll be talking more about what did happen. But I think this movie's uh, incredible in that, like, the first time you watch it, it seems like just a long sequence of information half information being thrown at you and the second third time you watch it you notice every little thing and it's like simultaneously like answering more questions but posing others you're like 
oh, I do remember that. But that didn't answer anything. Mm-hmm. And it's just this longing sense of, like, I want an answer to the question. And the, the deeper you get into this movie, the more you think about it, the more you, I guess, like, study it, the more deeply you understand it, the more you realize you're never going to know the answers to most of the things you're presented with. Mm-hmm. So there were scenes second time around there were scenes that i completely forgot about sequences that i like you know they just didn't stick in my head and then you're like oh yeah so what did happen with the well and then it comes up three or four times and you're like oh we didn't really get an answer on that yeah we got contradictory information exactly and (sighs) i think that goes back to the main theme contradictory information and our main character choosing which contradictory pieces of information to believe. Mm -hmm. Does he believe, does he truly believe that Ben killed Haimi, or is he choosing to believe that, and is he, like, looking for confirmation bias and all kinds of information, looking for something that proves something that he may have already decided? It's, It's tough. It's tough, man. Yeah. So now I'm getting excited. I, I needed mm-hmm. I needed to watch you love this a little bit, and I knew that's what I needed. Hell yeah! No, I'm here for it. Um, I I was hyped to talk about it. I I had a really hard time like organizing thoughts. I've got like two pages of notes on this thing, this, and it, a, lot, a lot of it was while I was watching it. And then there'd be some times where I was like thinking about it at work. I would open like the Google Docs page and just like add another line, like oh I just thought of this too. Um. Sticking with themes here, um, much like Parasite, like we talked about, the theme of separation of class is very strong here. Uh, something Lee Chang-dong, is, uh, the director, is very critical of is um, the separation of class in Korea. And I think Parasite is a brilliant uh, study on that. And I think this is a much, much more subtle, but still like equally understandable and relatable uh, look at that kind of divide in society. I think it reflects a lot of American, it's not identical, of course, but like a lot of similarities to American culture and like class divide and that kind of thing. Did you, what did you pick up on that? I mean, it was, uh, it was obvious. I don't have a lot of deep thoughts about class. Um, it's more, <laughs> I'm like on the spot. Oh, I hope I say something smart. Um, <laughs> um, no, but I mean, like, that's essentially what the movie is, right? Like, um, from the... Uh, is it Jong-Soo is the main character's name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. From the moment we meet him, I, I noticed where we meet him, and it's held on a frame on, like, the gate on the back of his truck, right? Um, yeah, with we, him smoking and... Yeah. Yeah. We see him in terms of his work, right? Like, that's how we're introduced to him. Um, and then we see, you know, what's essentially a vampire myth, Right, like the the reason that vampires are so ornate um, is because it's a warning not to trust the aristocracy; they'll drink your blood, um, and that's not very different from uh, from Ben coming in this movie with his big fancy car and his big fancy life, um, and he impresses uh, Jaime. Jaime is that her name? I think it's Jaime hey is the way it's pronounced. Uh, Denny and hey I you. only speak. <laughs> uh english and stuff derived from latin so yeah. pardon so our pronunciations know. of everything <laughs> except yeah. ben we got we got ben it's, nailed down 
It seems like he's just toying with the lower classes in this movie. Like there's yes. pl- there's playthings. Yeah, and he even says like when Jong Su kind of challenges him, like, "What do you actually do for a living?" And Ben's just like, "I play. Anything can be work." Which like telling that to somebody that like works a farm and <laughs> has a shitty apartment is like. No, like, fuck you, dude. Like, that's not work. (laughs) What do you mean you play? And, yeah, it seems like he really is playing with both uh, Jiangsu and Haimi. And, like, later at his parties, you're like, is he bringing, like, poor people around to, like, show his rich friends, like, Mm -hmm. the weirdos he picks up off the street or whatever? Yeah. Like, he's such a tough-to-decipher character. But there's just such apparent like maybe not misunderstanding or maybe it's either complete misunderstanding or like a thorough understanding of what makes what sets him apart and like it's either ignorance or like exploitation of like what makes him different or in his eyes better than people that have much less than him Mm -hmm. yeah and he's just so vapid right like but like also like super disarming Right? Like, you, you totally mm-hmm. see... Um, you see why someone would be enamored with him. You see why you'd want to be caught up in his big fancy life, right? Like, there's there's something that comes across as, as very genuine about him. And I don't, that honestly might just be the actor. I think that's one of uh, Stephen Yoon's biggest strengths, is he just comes across as so genuine in everything he does. And there's, like... Mm-hmm. There's no other actor that comes across as that authentic to me. Even when he's doing like the "I think you should leave" mud pie sketch, like he's just so <laughs> he's just so fucking believable as as like a regular guy. Like he's such a like he just doesn't seem like he knows there's cameras on him. You know, like yeah. he's, he's oh, yeah. so good. Ben, do you like Hamie's watch? Then prove it. Give me ga- back the gift receipt, <laughs> Denny. You should know, hey, me kissed me on the cheek when I got here. <laughs> now everybody's coming to party at my farmhouse in Paju. Happy birthday, Ben. I just didn't want to use too much kerosene. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up, honestly. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get into Stephen Young's performance a little bit later. Um, but yeah, his character is... that It could, presents kind of another theme where... He, he can just kind of freely go through life and doesn't have to worry about anything. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm going to bring pot out here. Like he's carrying through life. Like the law doesn't really apply to him because maybe kind of, it doesn't, it doesn't like laws are for poor people, Greg, like rich people can buy their way out of any consequences. Yeah. It was some tweet that said like, you know whatever situation is just proof that everything's legal if you're rich enough basically so we don't know what kind of money he has but he's not like as far as we know maybe murdering anybody but yeah he's just carrying through life like just without a care in the world and like burning down greenhouses maybe that's what he's actually doing stuff that he knows is wrong but he just doesn't care and like he's it's something that i think directly like uh covers a little bit in um secret sunshine too is like 
and it's only like a brief scene here is Ben's connection to the church. So it's not only wealth, but I think the director also associates that a little bit with like religious power as well. But I don't, I think it's just a very brief, like aside yeah. in this movie too. There's only that but, one church scene and it doesn't really amount to much. Yeah. It's just, it just shows that he's also involved there, which, you know, if you're Jong Su, does that add or take away from your perspective of him? Right. I don't know. Um, yeah. What was it? What else was I going to say about Ben? It's just, I don't know. You you look at Jong Su and the police roll by when he's like outside stalking Ben's apartment. The police, because he's in a dirty truck, like roll down their window and like give him like a real stern like look down. The police are like his father assaulted a policeman. It seems like the people in the lower class in this movie are really scared of like police force and like authority and that kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas Ben is just like shaking hands with security guards and, and just overall doesn't really care about anything just carries on through life so well yeah and he's so like <sighs> when he's smoking that jay and talking about the greenhouses um he, he's like yeah it's a crime so what yeah like he's just so mm-hmm. like who gives a shit if it's a crime like it and like jong su is like me bitch like <laughs> i can't just do crimes like <laughs> <laughs> i can't just do crimes um I guess I'm kind of I'm kind of done with the um, the class theme. I guess the only thing is like when I first watched it, I was like, "Oh, this feels like a kind of Great Gatsby kind of story." And then Jong Su literally says, "He's Gatsby." He's Gatsby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Ah, you beat me to it, buddy." There was a point when I was like, "Oh, so this is like just a retelling of the Great Gatsby." Like that, I thought it was like assen- essentially an adaptation, and I wouldn't go that far, but. The similarities are striking. I was starting to think it was going that way. And then they called it out, and then it went a completely different yep, way. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like they realized that they were accidentally just writing The Great Gatsby and had to change it. That's why this script is so great, because you're just like, I feel like you were trying to make us think that. You know, you got your author character, mm-hmm. and we're leading him down this path, and it's just like, yeah, we know. Anyways, it's about this now. Yeah. <laughs> fucking hell um i kind of wanted to get into the it's not really covered i like i watched a a youtube video or two on this but kind of the perspective or the theme of uh gender gender maybe not gender roles i don't know what i'm trying to say here but like the way uh like women and women are perceived in this film and kind of maybe the misogyny of the main character and that kind of thing kind of a male maybe it's a societal theme but like the male dominated aspect of again i don't know korean society so maybe i'm wrong here but the male dominated um aspect of i guess global society you might say i think it's safe to say you're misogynistic if you're breaking into chicks apartments to masturbate well you also got to feed the cat but right (laughs) that's what i that's what i call it yeah you can't is there a cat Mm -hmm. Schrodinger's well, cat, some might say. <laughs> some might say. But yeah, like, I, I read something on a Reddit post that talked about this movie. The The poster said that they were female, and they offered this perspective. And they they simply said, what if Burning is a film about 
women's liberation told from the perspective of a misogynistic man who lacks the framework to understand. The last half of the film is about the rage of an entitled man who can no longer control the woman he wanted. Yep. And that's what's great about this movie is that it welcomes that perspective openly. Like, if you want to view the film through that lens, it's totally open to you. If you want to view it through the eyes of jong Su and think, like, this is a man capturing a serial killer that killed his girlfriend or some shit... Mm-hmm. The movie kind of lets you believe that. I think that's the path of least resistance. And that's why... Yeah. And that's why I don't think it's what happened. Because it's definitely, like... I think you, as an... Like, you're able to see what jong Su sees, right? Like, you know his perspective. And what he's doing makes a lot of sense to you as an audience member. And I think the whole point of this movie about, like him being a fiction writer who can't make stories you know like and it's all about Mm -hmm. like um confirmation bias and uh creating stories out of nothing um very little happens in this movie yet he makes a narrative about murder out of it that makes me think he probably didn't kill her like she probably just gave him the watch to remember her by or he stole it. I don't know. Like a lot of watches get places for a lot of reasons right like yeah she probably and there's yeah, go ahead, go ahead. She probably just said, fuck off, don't call me a whore, and never talk to him again. Yeah. God damn it. I love you, Denny. Um, more on that later. Wrapping up on themes here. Kind of wrapping up on the gender thing, I guess. It's just... Jung Soo, when they're smoking weed, he tells Ben that he's in love with Haimi. And... Ben's reaction is, again, attributes to Steven Young's performance, is just like... He just kind of laughs. He doesn't laugh at him. He's not like... He doesn't seem like he didn't hear him. He just finds humor. Mm-hmm. And it's super strange. And it's just like, well, why are you laughing? And this happens to jong a lot in the movie. As soon as he's like getting to the core of the issue of the conversation, hey, me steps outside and interrupts the conversation. So we don't get the full fleshed out thought of what Ben meant by his reaction. Mm-hmm. But like... Chang Su saying he loves Hei Mi, like, I don't know what he thinks love is. <laughs> Basically, like, this is like, you know, what happens if you give an incel a compliment and this movie's a little bit like, what if you have actually slept with one? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. It kind of feels like a weird sense of, like the person said on Reddit, like a sense of entitlement or ownership and control. And we see like when she comes back from her trip to Africa he's he's interested in her but it seems like they have no similar interests you know like they go to that nightclub scene a great scene where it's just like the camera like moves through this crowd and you can see like Hamie is the focal point she's dancing she's living her life and then like Ben's smoking and like talking to some of his friends and then jong Su's just like staring at Hamie like leaning against the wall yeah like, he's not out there living his life or having fun. He just, like, wants to be in a quiet place. Like, it, it it just feels like the core of their relationship is, like, I want her to be mine, and that's kind of it. Right? So it's, <laughs> I don't know, like, this sense of entitlement. I just don't buy his love for her outside of, like, <laughs> he's 
his his most expressive moments are singing to the uh, the cow while he's shoveling shit on the farm. That's his most as expressive as he gets. God, that was a great scene. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a good song. Yeah, no, it, it made me feel seen as someone who uh, doesn't know how much is the normal amount of stupid songs to make up about your day. Because uh, <laughs> I make up a lot. You sing, you make up a lot of songs on the spot to your dog too, right? Yes, that's something yes. we all do. We all right? do this, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so many words rhyme with stinky. Like it's just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm working on my eleven the dog uh, EP. I'm trying to <laughs> 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 trying to get an album out. Uh, look for it on Spotify, folks. Uh, Movies for Win Records. Um, I think that's all I had on themes cool uh i kind of wanted to get into my next talking point yes which i'm sorry for completely guiding the conversation no, for you that's what i wanted to happen today i i, I, I wanted so. to be more of a question asker than a question answerer on this episode because i knew how excited you were okay yeah and stop me with any questions you may have because i'm going to answer them with more questions because <laughs> <laughs> that's what the movie gives you um so second second thing i wanted to talk about what happened we've already kind of covered it and you already mentioned it and i love what you said it's just like the path of least resistance makes it seem like it's the wrong way to go it that just doesn't feel right well if if that were the case if the obvious thing were true why would they do all of this like obfusiation type shit like what what's the fucking movie if it's just what it seemed like happened happened then, yeah, then, exactly. then what's the movie, right? <laughs> like, you could have yeah. you could have like cut down an hour and a half of this to tell this story if that's the story. Yeah, no shit. Oh man, um, I think what happens it's best summarized through like the story of the well, right? Where he he you know Haimi tells him tells Jung Soo. Uh, he doesn't even remember, you know, like, I remember I was seven years old, I fell down the well, and I was crying and crying, and you, like, rescued me, or you, like, got people to get me out. jung Su later comes in contact with Haimi's mom and sister, and is like, yeah, I'm just thinking about, like, that time she fell down the well, and they're like, we didn't have a well, that didn't happen. Then he later asks a neighbor, like, the house the house where she lived when they grew up together is demolished. And he asks the neighbor, like, hey, did there used to be a well here deep enough for someone to fall into? And they're, the neighbor's like, no, nah, I don't think so. But then finally he speaks to his mom, who he hasn't spoken to in, like, ten years. Which, are you going to talk about that scene? I was just, what a scene that, like... We see how obsessed this incel ass guy is that he's talking to his mom for I think the first time in sixteen years is what they yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he asks her about the well. Like that's all he cares about <laughs> when he talks to her. It seems like she's not getting much out of the conversation either, yeah. except hopefully money, which kinda sucks. Yeah. i f uh I'm kinda glad we meet we don't meet Well, I kinda wish we did. Jung Su's sister is only talked about she's never shown or anything but she's like married and has kids mm -hmm. apparently doing fine but yeah mom dad's going to jail mom's disinterested and kind of asking for money doing one of those soft asks yeah it's just like well you owe me because i'm your mom kind of guilt trip sort of things mm -hmm. it feels like and just like 
you know, texting during their first conversation in 16 years. Yeah. God, that scene hurt oh, more to watch, to watch on the second. It, it hurt more on the second watch through. But Jong Su can't even be, like, present for that either. He has to ask about the well, and she's like, oh, yeah, they had a well. Yeah. And he's like, bingo, I got it. I know Hamey was, I knew Hamey was telling the truth. Yeah. When and like he just takes that one with it. ass mom who, like, isn't even paying enough attention to her son. Like, but because she says what he wants to hear, he's like, ah, facts. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Well, let me ask you this. Because mm-hmm. this, <clears throat> this is definitely what I thought was happening, what I thought the twist would be. Um, up until we started getting confirmation from, like, uh, Hamie's family and from his mom that they like knew each other in childhood. I mm-hmm. thought that she had never met him before the day of the story. Yeah. That's what I thought was going on. Cause she kept being like, Oh, he did this, but he doesn't remember. I thought she was like pure, like audition levels of fucking with him. <laughs> Is she? Yeah. Oh man. We should, season two. we should do audition by the way. There you go. <laughs> very much, very similar yeah. themes to this movie. Yeah, she mentioned she has plastic surgery. Yeah. Also, it's just like that's why you don't recognize me. Yeah. How convenient, um, I'm, right? I'm I'm pretty now or whatever. Yeah. And he apparently I, I see, doesn't remember saving her from a well. Like, who would forget that? Doesn't remember calling her ugly. It seems like, well, it sounds like he dealt with a lot of childhood trauma and doesn't want to remember a lot of things, sure. and that probably fell by the wayside as a result. Yeah. So, um, again another unexpected little tidbit of brilliance there but it it feels like the movie will like want you to kind of think that yeah but then like strike it down with some concrete evidence yeah like some things are obscured and you're like no you can start forming that theory but you know we're gonna cut that off yeah but like the other 10 theories you're forming in your head we're not gonna tell you no well so much of like the reality of this movie relies on people's memories and they introduce this element of like even your like main character focal point like entry point for the audience his memory's faulty right mm-hmm. <laughs> like we can't even count on what he remembers to determine reality yeah and like i think that's what kind of drives him to fully trust Hamy and everything she said is just like Oh, she does remember. She does tell the truth, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. But, like, I think mom and sister would know best, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think the best thing I read about this movie, kind of getting back onto, like, so what happened, basically, mm-hmm. uh, the best thing I read is that the hints are not clues. Mm-hmm. So it, it's the movie will reveal things to you but that's not necessarily enough to go off of yeah. it's all circum circumstantial <laughs> evidence um are you trying to from someone trying to the law <laughs> boy am i um i think all that matters here hey me is gone she's gone whether she's dead killed and buried suicide or whether she just fucked off and left maybe ben helped her leave who knows but what matters is she's gone and she no longer exists and jong Su and us as the audience are all searching for the how like what happened mm-hmm. where is she now but it's i kind of felt like on the second time watching is just like why is she gone 
and it's something it's something you reference I'm glad you brought up is that moment where Jong Su calls her a whore more or less um, saying that's that's only whores act that way and Ben like we discussed earlier was kind of treating her like a plaything, something to kind of show off to rich friends and I think a lot of the main point here is men viewed her as an object kind of from different ways from two different perspectives they just they viewed her as a thing she was an object to both of them yeah and whether that means she died or left their perspective of women led to violence mm-hmm. either towards her and certainly at the end of the movie mm-hmm. so that's where i kind of land on it i'll I'll tell my whole ending theory if you want it. Uh, well, I'm obviously, going, I'm, I want it. I'm going to anyways. Yeah, but yeah. I, it's it's wanted. This is a consensual ending theory. I felt like the movie was the second time around. Once you kind of know more of the facts, you're just kind of like, okay, but why is she gone? And that kind of made me reflect and think. Like my ending theory, I'll lay it out here. Um, I think Hamey ran away. Mm-hmm. basically i think that you know she seems so incredibly moved by the concept of like great great hunger versus um little hunger mm-hmm. and she seems to have this real thirst for discovering the meaning of life and when we first meet her she seems kind of like oh i'll just go do this job whatever she seems to just kind of be drifting through life stuff kind of happens to her and she's just going along with it making the best of life and she likes this idea of a great hunger but then she actually goes to meet the tribe or whatever that this this idea came from and it seems like it really really changed her it kind of grounded her a lot more she tried to be more grounded and then to the place she comes back home she's trying to set roots and be grounded in like a search for life's meaning and everywhere she tries to set in roots it's rich vapid men or a childhood friend that calls her a whore basically and also wasn't really a childhood friend he called her ugly then yeah. <laughs> it's just a childhood so, bully <laughs> a childhood bully basically but she liked him i think she really trusted him and that's part of the why she's gone to me is like you know when they first meet uh, with Ben, the three of them like eat at that restaurant. She starts crying, talking about, and this is another thing that I kind of hang my uh, theory on. Is she talks about like the sunset just drifted away as we danced into the night. Like I just want to disappear like that sunset. She ca- she keeps talking about how she just mm-hmm. wants to like. I did not catch this. She wants to disappear and go away like a sunset and just kind of evaporate. And then Ben kind of it's another like I was saying earlier. Uh, we're kind of getting into the core of what people mean or what they want and then ben just chimes in with like it's so weird seeing people cry Mm -hmm. derails the conversation you don't really think about it again until you watch it again so i think her character changed after her trip to africa nobody really understood it and she had credit card debt she had you know someone she thought she trusted like when they leave the restaurant she's staring at jong Su, like take me home mm-hmm. like i trust you and jong Su is just like so emasculated by ben's wealth that he's like 
uh, no, I got a long way to drive. You just go with him. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, looking at him like, oh, I can. We're friends. Like, I trust you. Yeah. And then Jung Soo eventually just breaks that trust, and she's like, "Well, I have nothing left to latch onto here." So Jung Soo is such I'm, an unlikable protagonist. <laughs> on purpose. Though, I know. Right? I know it's on purpose. <laughs> I know. Little fuck. Uh, little bitch. Not hateable. Just. He just not super likable. Constantly makes these like little bitch moves. Just little bitch moves all throughout the movie. Passionate I don't masturbator, wanna... though. Hmm. <laughs> And that's another thing too. Like I, I mentioned, him emasculated by Ben's wealth. It seems like at the beginning of the movie, he's like aroused by the idea of wealth. Yeah. That's why he's like staring at the tower that's like symbolizing the city and like wealth and status. And then like Ben's wealth and status just like completely knocks him off of that theory. <laughs> just changes his life and perspective that way. I just noticed though the reflection of the tower in the window when they're having sex. Mm-hmm it slowly fades away like a sunset right like he's not looking mm-hmm. at her he's looking at the light disappearing that was yeah that was absolutely foreshadowing i didn't notice that she's gonna disappear yeah is she the light that's disappearing in that sense or is it the idea of wealth and status bringing you happiness that kind of thing i don't know fuck it could that's yeah exactly so could it mean all of that is it up to us who knows what I love, all right, to answer your question, I love this movie because, you know, you read books in high school and it's just like, what, what, is, what is your interpretation of this? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I try to look at things very literally. And like literature and movies, I'm just like, okay, so what happened? And I try not, I don't really like, that part of my brain never really gets activated to look for like a deeper meaning mm-hmm. on that kind of thing. And then this movie is just like, grabbing my mind grabbing my focus and saying like what do you think this is and I'm like it could be this or this or this and it's like all those are valid carry on next scene yeah so it's 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 fun for me in that way i don't know about f- if fun is the right word but it's just like satisfying yeah. i guess so what's your uh kind of ending theory on what really happened there um i think i i think she left um I think there's a lot of evidence in the script to support that, especially after this conversation. Um, but I was willing to buy it just on like, I think the character's kind of impulsive and whimsical and doesn't get too attached to things. Um, and even like, it did not seem like she was close with her family. Um, they also say mm-hmm. she lies a lot, you know, like mm-hmm. um, she just didn't seem like a character that plants roots, you know, <laughs> like she it seems like she's always just trying to, keep moving so she's never a target um and so yeah. it just makes sense that she'd be like well these guys are assholes i'm just gonna like <laughs> uproot my life and not tell anyone like that just totally yeah. tracked with the with the character we'd been introduced to yeah i felt like we watched an hour 20 of her finally cutting the last of her roots mm-hmm. and then another hour or so of <laughs> the ground she left behind trying to cope with it so i like this movie when you think of it the way you described it as like as essentially this is this is Hamie's story through the eyes of someone else like mm-hmm. that's oh it's so cool hell yeah um there is a i'll kind of wrap up the what happened 
discussion on kind of a theory that I've seen like in a few places online that it's something that I had forgotten uh, from the first watch, but towards the end of the movie, Jong Su moves into Hamie's apartment. He's kind of given up the search. He's he's had dinner with Ben, and you know he's found the watch. A bunch of people come over. And Ben just gives him this look and this yawn that we mentioned in the Critic review. And you can kind of see he's like, okay, I think this is the guy that did it. He leaves. They have a brief conversation. Jong Su seems to like really want to get the fuck away from him. Mm-hmm. And he kind of he sells the family cow. His dad goes to prison. He's like, Paju is done. He's moving into the city. He moves into her old apartment in like one of the like saddest scenes of the movie where he imagines he's no longer looking at the tower while masturbating he's like actually thinking of her for the first time in a while it still seems kind of like disrespectful that that's like again it kind of reinforces that maybe she's more of an object to him but that just kind of doubles the sadness for me but anyways after that he finally starts writing He's sitting at like a little table in the apartment looking out the window and he starts writing on his laptop and the story he's been teasing or maybe not teasing, but like telling to Ben like, yeah, I'm an author, but I haven't written anything. He finally starts writing that it fades to black and then we cut to Ben's perspective and he's putting makeup on like a girlfriend at his apartment and that's after that, that's when he gets a text and he meets Jong Su, where Jong Su, uh, of course, kills Ben and burns the car that he came in. So there's a theory out there that what Jong Su was writing was actually the end of the movie. And what we saw didn't actually happen, but rather that's Jong Su's story. That's why there's such a long focus on Ben's perspective and like this act of violence that kind of seems uncharacteristic to Jong Su. Yeah. Kind of like a fantasy for him. Um, I don't like that theory. I don't think that, like you said, like if that was fake, what was the point of the movie? Right. Like, I think, of course it matters because like I view these characters as like people that I'm watching on the screen. Of course it matters that a character gets stabbed and killed, but like from another character perspective... What matters is that Jong Su thinks that Ben is guilty, and whether he did it or not, whether he actually killed Ben or whether he wrote about it, he thinks the only way for there to be justice is if Ben gets killed, basically. So, whether or not it was fantasy doesn't change the fact that Jong Su thinks this is what justice is. You know, I think it works totally fine. Like, another explanation of that theory is simply that, like, he finally started coming to conclusions, right? Like, because I always talk about, like, oh, you're a writer. What What do you write? Oh, I don't know. I haven't really figured that out yet. And it would just make sense that he finally starts writing as a symbol for, like, he's finished the story in his head about what happened here. Like, and mm-hmm. now he's going to act on it, right? He feels yeah. he feels a sense of clarity. <clears throat> he feels a sense of he knows, like, what's he knows what's going on. So what you're kind of saying is, like, he can now let this thing go maybe by killing Ben by saying like 
this story's over. I can focus on a new thing. The last thing I need to do is maybe kill Ben. I'm more saying that it's just he's he's decided that Ben killed Hamie. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that could be what his writing symbolizes. Because, like, it's all about him yeah, crafting okay. a narrative. And I'm like, that could just be showing the solidification of his narrative in his mind that he can finally write when he's been talking about how he can't write any stories. And it would be... And also further evidence that he did not kill Haimi um, because uh, uh, Jung-Soo writes fiction, right? Like, that's he makes shit up, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's kind of the implication. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. I like that. Thanks, Denny. You're welcome. You rock. I try. Uh, <laughs> um, any more thoughts about what happened? Um, I wanted to get your thought on... Uh, does Steven Yoon burn greenhouses? What the fuck is that all about? Does he set greenhouses on fire? What do you think? I don't know. That's one of the only parts where I'm still just like, I don't I don't really know. I don't want to spoil favorite lines, but like he talks about you know, I oh I came out here to scout, and every time like Jong Su brings it up, it seems like Ben's maybe not fucking with him, but it was just like Oh, you kind of you remember that like it's it feels like a oh you remember that simultaneously like a oh you believed that yeah yeah kind of thing he just kind of like kind of keeps it up he said it while he was high the movie's called burning is that a reference to the greenhouses or you know the, the crema the cremation <laughs> at the end yeah um I, I don't know like maybe he does Sorry, go ahead go ahead uh, there's, no, I, I, I was done. There's something yeah. I saw on a YouTube video. Um, in Korean, the words for makeup and cremation are either the same or very similar. Um, we watched the same video. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, that's why we see him putting makeup on her to further suggest. Okay. Um, would you... Yeah, it's like... Go ahead. It's the, same, it's the same word, but like in context means one or the other, basically. Yeah. Would you agree that him talking about burning greenhouses had major ass-crack bandit energy? like all i could hear was like the dean reading the threat like what are you gonna do not have butts Ooh, he's got us there (laughs) just like someone who is very passionate about a very petty crime (laughs) oh my god maybe ben the ben crack bandit ah we cracked the code (laughs) ah damn well, what else do we got? Because I am getting my social battery a little bit drained. I'll be honest. Oh, I, did, I did a lot of All therapy right. today. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, my last talking point was filmmaking, and then I guess we can get into gimmicks. Um, I can monologue for a little bit. Please. He got me monologuing again. But yeah, Steven Yeun's best performance to date. I think he was... Um, you haven't seen Beef. I haven't seen Beef. But I did see that I think you should leave Sketch, so... You know. That's his real best performance. That's his real best performance. He won. He won the Oscar for that one, right? It was an. It was an. You know, it was an Emmy. It was a television. <laughs> you know, <laughs> best two small slice performance. Um, he was. I think this is his first role where he um, did the whole thing in Korean. Mm-hmm. He was asked to do it all in Korean. And it's just like, you know, like you you watch a period piece and you look at the actor, you're like, you know what Instagram is. I don't believe you're really in the 1800s. <laughs> it's like, you look at Steven Yeun and 
in this movie and you're like you're american aren't you but that feels in he he's talked about it before too but i feel like that's a brilliant part of the casting choice it seems like he's so like accustomed to like western culture there's like something american in the bones of his performance Mm -hmm. that just really helps sell that divide between like the lower class korean and the kind of like western mindset like upper class um kind of perspective well i think that's very intentional like he's making them italian food you know like he's he's yeah. <laughs> he's very western influenced in the movie the character he's is. he's like why do you want tripe stew let's go home and have a uh, pasta yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah i just wanted to praise his performance i think yeah like the review said it he yawned and it blew me away and i'm like but it was just a yawn mm-hmm. <laughs> the rest of my brain was like holy shit because he's so fucking uh, good man he's so fucking he, good uh, Yu Ah-in was Jiang Su. That tense, envious loner part was played uh, extremely well. Mm-hmm. And what is her name? Uh, shoot. I had her name written down here somewhere. But uh, the actress that played Hey Me, this was her first feature. This is her first movie. Wow. And I thought she fucking killed what it. What a she coming was really out good. party for her. That was amazing. No kidding. Um, yeah. The... Um, Oh my god. I could do like another hour of this by myself. Denny, just drop. I'll talk. Um, <laughs> but but not really. Um, I want to... I'll, I'll kind of make the comparison when we do Memories of Murder to like um, how we achieve different kinds of immersion mm-hmm. uh, when we do Memories of Murder versus this movie. I think this one has a more character-focused set of uh, level of immersion. It feels like every shot and sequence is so meticulous and motivated, but like effortless mm-hmm. at the same time. It feels like there's such intentionality, but it's achieved in such a way that like, unless you're looking for it, you don't even notice it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just constantly like blown away by like just a scene of, you know, our three main characters, like, first of all, them like smoking weed at dusk. That took them like a month to film. I'll bet, yeah, because to keep the golden hour, right? Exactly. Like you noticed it too. Like the first time I watched it, I was like, "There's no way they got like this level of purple light, like sustained enough to do this shoot like very quickly." Yeah. No. <laughs> Apparently, they could only do it like a few minutes a day. Wow. So, I just can't imagine that. And weirdly enough, I I was so curious about like the geography of south korea and i just like went into this internet wormhole of like i found the spot of jung su's house on google street view cool the house isn't there there is like there's like um some of the buildings and the place where the cow is and you know google street view in like rural korea isn't like super up to date mm-hmm. so like it's 2016 the last picture yeah yeah so they built and then like the house isn't there i think they like cleared out another building built like a little bit of a driveway and like built a house and a shed and all that kind of thing i think they built jong su's farmhouse for this film cool it looked within two years it looked old and shitty it looked lived in it looked like he stepped into his dad's old house that had been like unkempt for years and it's just like stuff like that with you know achieving that level of sunlight for that long building this house like 
that's what I mean when I say like effortlessly intentional. Yeah, yeah. It's just like such care and effort went into every single aspect of making this movie look like it does and you're not supposed to notice it. Yeah. It's so fucking cool. I love it. Um very different uh director style and like levels of immersion than like Bong Joon-ho, but I'll get into that next week because I think that's like equally impressive and worthy of praise. Hell so yeah. wanted to give that shout out here. Um Hell yeah. Director Lee Rocks and Boyle is a great name for a cat. I think that's my last note. Is it Is it <laughs> sure a great it name for a cat? Sure is. I think so. I feel like I scratched the surface of this movie, but it feels like the movie wants you to only scratch the surface. There's, it feels like there's, there's there's always something else. Below the surface is intentionally inaccessible. Like, mm-hmm. anything you could create... Like, you can create theories, and there's stuff to create theories based on, but, like, this movie does not have an answer. Like, uh, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like it does. Because... <laughs> Well, just because not really because of those questions, then what's the fucking point of the movie? I'm like, it can't be what's obvious. Otherwise, why'd you do all this fucking breadcrumb shit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like I said. Like, the deeper you get into it, the more you realize you don't know what is shrouded and kept from you until you get deeper and deeper and deeper mm-hmm. into it. Then you realize actually how much is hidden from you, and by then you're in so deep that you're like, well, I need a fucking answer. Yeah. Oh no, I'm Jong Su. I better go kill uh, Stephen Young. I did go so. try to kill Stephen Young around the third act of this movie, and he didn't answer my text. Yeah, thankfully, <laughs> I wouldn't kill him. I love him too much. Yeah. Then I saw Minari. I was like, ah, this guy's fine. All <laughs> he, he had to movie. do was like the gift. <laughs> and on that note Denny are you ready for some gimmicks I am I'm getting tired and it is 9.15 and I slept for 9 hours last night but I'm old I'm getting sleepy (laughs) I talked the whole time yippity doo (laughs) yippy skippy Uh, Denny we have a new gimmick of the week this week Mm -hmm. it's new for the theme Denny what is the gimmick of the week? The cultural catch, a moment of cultural differences between America and South Korea that stood out to us from watching the movie. Greg, what is your cultural catch this week? I have the sneaking suspicion we might have the same one. Ooh. I'm kind of curious. Ooh. But it is um, at Jong Su's house in Paju, they're very close to the North Korean border, and you can hear speakers from North Korea blasting propaganda. Mm-hmm into south korea uh denny this is basically like if we went out to visit friends in like gainesville and then the great dictatorship of oklahoma was like <laughs> come to our casinos that is kind of what it's like here. and it's just so wild to think about that they're like they could walk over to like i, I i'm sorry for i know you did a lot of <laughs> propaganda watching but yeah. it was it's, it's, dictatorship like walking distance like they could just go there yeah they shouldn't they won't but damn it's crazy to think like how close they are to a completely different world yep that is not my cultural catch but a great moment um mine was her saying i had plastic surgery i'm pretty now um (laughs) that's because i uh i know someone who has had some issues um with their extended Korean family. 
um, about the norms of commenting on appearance. Um, apparently, in Korean culture, it is really not offensive to like be like, oh, like your sister's prettier than you. Maybe you could work on being prettier. Uh, my understanding is that that is not a weird thing to say. And that's kind of like how uh, Amy said it. She's like, oh, yeah, I used to be less attractive, but I had plastic surgery. You would never say that in America. Like, you would yeah. never be like, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, you look so much better after your facelift. I did not like the way you looked before. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you wouldn't do that. Um, you're supposed to not comment on plastic surgery. It's considered rude to comment on here. So, um, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, my wife's been rewatching Arrested Development. Ah. And <laughs> all the comments about Lindsay's nose job being taboo, but that being the joke, makes me... <laughs> makes me think of that thing. so good good pick <laughs> sweet what is uh what's your favorite line uh boy i had a few it was it was tough to choose i think one of my runner-ups is ben and jong su alone in uh ben's apartment towards the end of the movie ben kind of keeps asking like so what story are you writing and jong su says i don't know what to write yet how come to me the world is a mystery, but, you know, in Korean, of course. Um, I think my favorite line is the one that stuck with me that made me want to watch it again and, like, brought me back to the movie, honestly, is when Jong-Soo gets out of the truck meeting Ben right before he kills him, and Ben asks, Where's Hey Me? You asked me to join you in Hey Me. Isn't she with you? And then... Stab, stab, stab. Stabby stab. So I think I think that's my favorite line. Cool. And I'll I'll get into why in the uh the scores here in a second, but what's your favorite line? My favorite uh is when he is looking for boil. Jong Su is looking for boil and he says, You're introducing your poop to me first before a nice to meet you. Um that line popped me huge because I'm a child. Um <laughs> I'm going with that for my favorite line of the movie. Hell yeah. <laughs> I thought it'd be something like Ben saying, sometimes you can't see things that are too close to you. But you went for the poop line. Always. I, I, I'm always going to go for the poop line, my friend. I need to know my audience. <laughs> Memories Especially if I can find it in a really serious, dramatic movie. If they make a poop joke, I'm like, oh, that's what stands out to me. <laughs> oh, right. This is art. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nah, I get it. Um... Denny, you already gave your Critiker score away, but uh, go ahead and if you want to give a little justification yeah, on no. why. It's uh, 44 out of 50, which is a really high mark. Um, 44 is where I put it if you're like an amazing movie, but you're not quite an all-timer. Um, this one, mm -hmm. uh, for me, like I said, I just didn't connect to it personally like you did. Um, it's it's I, I wouldn't have anything negative to say about it Like as a movie. I just don't think... I had the natural level of buy-in um, for for a movie like this. I, I I have a bias against ambiguity, honestly. I I, mm -hmm. I I like my airtight stories. I like them. That's the way I like them. Um, I'm not saying that you can't deviate from that. I mean, I would say one of my top five favorite movies ever is Pulp Fiction. Um, another movie I love that deviates from that is I'm Thinking of Ending Things and... I just think those movies are stylized in a way that that intrigues me. What were you saying, Greg? That means, are you, I was going to say, um, I'm thinking of anything. That's something that needs a rewatch pretty soon. Boy, does it. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I, I think like I, I get excited about stuff that is like stylized and neat, and this was kind of grounded in reality, so it didn't pull me in like a lot of stuff like that does. So still a, okay. a fantastic, phenomenal movie. It's not going to go into like my personal vault of like movies to recommend to people, but that's because I'm less cultured than you. Hmm. <laughs> I am very cultured, famously. Yes. But yeah, I, I, I totally understand. I, I wouldn't want you to have the same like point of appreciation or perspective as I do, because mm. you know, where's the fun of that? Where's the originality? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Damn. I love this movie. Uh, John Jing, John, John, Jong Seo. It's her first movie. That's the actress that played Hey Me. Cool. I butchered the shit out of that. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> We're doing our best, people. <laughs> We're really trying. Um, yeah, there's much easier names uh, next time. But, yeah, this movie for me, I gave it a 39 out of 40, which puts it into the top, I think, nine all times in terms of score. Holy shit. I love this one. For everything that Denny said, where, like, maybe that personal connection wasn't there, it was there for me. I do like stuff that's more grounded. Something that makes me forget it's a movie and kind of makes me talk about it in a way that's like, oh, no, when this person did these things, I, I'm... <laughs> something that makes me believe that this is a real story that happened to real people and I was just involved with it. Effortless filmmaking that made me feel like I was witnessing something really happening total immersion it it just like grabbed me in such a way that like movies just generally don't like the f anyways yeah i gave it such a high rating because like one of my favorite movie viewing experiences ever is watching this movie for the second time Ooh. which is it's just wild it's like denny like if you really want to like this one commit five hours but um Nah. Yeah, the, sec the yeah, I don't expect <laughs> two, you two to. and a half was um, a lot. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, third time's also pretty good though. It's like everything or everywhere all at once. That was probably by another top uh, movie viewing experience the first time, and then No Country for Old Men is every time I watch it mm -hmm. is the best movie experience of my life. So <laughs> uh, this is right up there with the best uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, if you want to believe Ben is a serial killer because he says he never cries and wants praise and stories written about him, maybe he's a serial killer. I believe Stephen Young. Some of the best performances I've ever seen, you know, usually, like, you get an actor in there that's just like, um, oh, he's super recognizable. This is immersion breaking, and then it's the fucking opposite. Right, he's right. he's speaking Korean now. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, this is it's somehow even more immersive. Yeah unbelievable unfucking believable 39 out of 40 i was teetering on giving it a 40 but i don't know i think there's maybe just like a little bit of something holding me back from giving it a perfect score maybe it's the part where jong su is following ben to the quarry and he's just like standing 10 feet away from him like he doesn't hear him what the fuck so i don't know <laughs> stuff like that yeah. but whatever whatever can't recommend it more Thank you all for listening. Denny, I think we're done with burning. We're done with burning, and we haven't decided what we're doing next week yet, because it'll probably this... be something impulsive me and Vanessa want to do. 
Yeah, this felt really fucking long. It, it's this isn't a super long episode. No, it's from not. Us. It no. felt like it because it was like I have nine thousand things to say, and well, I said you just them all like gave. Like, oh no, I took too much time. You gave a presentation, brother. <laughs> if this had PowerPoint slides, I think I would be complete. Yeah, but <laughs> we'll save that for the next live show. Stay tuned for the visual component uh, next time. Uh, when we do 2001 A Space Odyssey, I'll be uh, prepared with the PowerPoint slides. And yeah, that'll be a live show. Bring your sleeping bags. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, we are going to continue the theme of uh, being on a Korean cinema kick. But uh, as things would shake out, sadly, at least I need another hiatus because I will be out of the country. Well, not in Korea, but you know, not really sort of i'll in, i'll be in the territories <laughs> yeah not to give away my assassination coordinates i will be in puerto rico this week so denny and vanessa apparently are going to be fi- apparently that sounded so condescending I'm gonna they're gonna try so-called podcast <laughs> they're gonna try to record something like what we can do so oh no they're, they're gonna do awesome i love when they talk about things uh they'll figure it out yeah. Stay tuned on social media. We're going to watch Find us on social media. We're going to talk about it. Hell yeah. It could be anything, dude. Horror in May. Dude, this is like the Patreon days. We did a what we've been watching catch up, then a Denny and Vanessa solo episode. That's that's Patreon content coming to the people for free. It's for fucking free, so you better give yeah. us five stars. It used, on to, Spotify used to come to no one for money. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Dylan Derryberry counts as someone. Our He's only extra fan. someone. Is is OnlyFans just like a Dylan Derryberry site? I think it's so. It's just a I bunch of Dylan Derryberries because he's our only fan. Yeah. He's not our only fan. He's our only paying fan. <laughs> uh, we love him all the same. Yes, what do. a guy. Uh, so we, we will be back. Uh, Denny and Vanessa will do something, TBD, next week. Yeah. And the week after that, Korean Cinema Kit continues with the Bong Joon-ho classic memories of murder denny that was your pick yes what a pick very glad you picked that i've had it recommended to me a lot and i have never gotten around to watching it so i'm looking forward to it i've got the criterion blu-ray so let's have a ball nice (sighs) hell yeah all right denny i think that about wraps it up for me man i think it's time for uh these two adults to go to bed sleepy time for Greg Work, the Great Hunger Johnson, I'm Denny the Ooh. Little Hunger Taylor. And this is <laughs> Movies for When! We already told you when, but you know what we didn't tell you? Where's, oh. hey, me again! Policeman, see my badge?